Welcome to another episode of Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church. This is a Monday episode. We call these Hear and Obey because it's our aim to not only be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word, as God calls us in the book of James. And so we are sitting down to talk about the sermon passage from Sunday, which comes from Luke 1. My name is Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church, and I've got the pleasure of sitting down today with both Mark Christensen and Matt Groon. And we're in Luke 1, Zechariah's song or Zechariah's prophecy, Luke 1, 67 through 75. I'm going to read these words, the word of God. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. So we're working our way through songs for the Savior. Uh, These songs recorded in the first chapters of Luke's gospel. And Matt, you preached a couple weeks ago Mary's song. We took a break for... Jeff Perswell's visit when he preached from Colossians 1. Here we are in Zechariah's song. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. And Zechariah's story really starts back in Luke 1, verse 5. That's where Luke first introduces us to Zechariah, which is incredible. He's got this little prologue to his whole gospel to set it up. And then the very first character he introduces is Zechariah. Of all all the characters who are going to be involved throughout the the life of Jesus, mm. the, the gospel of Jesus, starts with Zechariah, and he spends a lot of time mm-hmm. on these events. So there, there's a lot of backstory leading up to this song, and and the story of Zechariah, I just think, is fascinating. And I think Greg really helped us yesterday to to think about mm. some of those things. Um, I, I just, you know, I'll just start us off, and feel free to jump in here. But um, one, the fact that Luke begins by describing Zechariah. First thing he tells us about him, um, he's a priest from the division of Abijah. So he's involved in ministry. He's on a rotation where he serves in the temple. Um, And Luke says in verse six, they were both, speaking of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Mm. Now that's not like, you know, pre-Jesus. Sometimes people have this idea that justification of our sins, forgiveness comes after Jesus. Before that, you have these legalists who are. Right. He's not describing a legalist. He's mm. he's using justification language. He's nor counted he, righteous. Nor is he perfect. Right. right. Yeah. Luke is not saying he was perfect. He was sinless. He had this sinlessness on his own. He didn't right. need Jesus to come for him. And we're going to see his sin actually on <laughs> yeah. full display. So, lest anybody think Zechariah was sinless and blameless. No, he he's counted righteous by faith. So uh, the fact that that is set up here. It just really affected me yesterday to see that introduction, knowing the the big lapse of faith that comes when Zechariah is in the temple and Gabriel appears to him, gives him this word about a son who's going to be born to him and his wife in their old age, and he he doesn't believe it. Right. Hmm. Just that that frames the song. Yeah. It's helpful. Which, to, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, just looking at the world we live in, 
yeah, he had right to be skeptical. Um, in my old age, we're going to conceive. Yeah. Have a son. Yeah. And they, yeah, and as as Luke is framing up Zechariah, he says, so verse 6, after talking about their righteousness before God, walking blamelessly in the, cabin, uh, in the commandments, verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren mm-hmm. and they were both advanced in years. So it's not just that they were old. Right. It's that they had never had children because Elizabeth had always been barren. So there's this multi-layered, understandable position that Zechariah is in, and then all of a sudden, this inbreaking of the angel. So yeah. at least we can, we can, we can understand it. But what what I appreciate about these songs is that they're clearly, and here it's very explicitly spirit-inspired texts. Like, mm-hmm. and the Holy, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied the same. And these songs, for me, function as I've as we've been studying them, as we read them. These songs, especially the Magnificat and here, the Benedictus, we see like this inbreaking into the story of this. We actually get to see some of the the narration, if you will. Um, oftentimes, you know, if you think of different movies or, or different stories, they have a kind of omniscient narrator who sees. I think of. Uh, <laughs> shouldn't say that I watched, but you, did you ever watch Arrested Development? No. Oh, come on, Ryan. I'm a Christian. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy cow. No, I don't know what that is. But Ron Howard, the famous director, is the voice of the narrator behind the whole show. And he's like, he's got that omniscient. He, he know the characters have no idea what's going on. And they're going through all these silly, you know, situational humor. And Ron sure. Howard's in the background. The omniscient com- narrator. Yeah, he's just okay. com- commentating on it. But <laughs> it's it's this, this this moment where we get to, like, peel back the veil, if almost, of of commentary on the story. Mm-hmm. And it spans all of history. Yeah. So you see, he's saying, blessed be the Lord, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Uh, Greg pointed out, I think rightly, that he, he's talking about something that hasn't quite happened yet, right? It, they're, they're, he's talking about the thing that, this future faith-filled thing of the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is very imminent, but hasn't quite come about. So it's 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 somewhat future-oriented as well as present-oriented, and then... Um, to, and then that the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, so stretching all the way back mm. thousands of years earlier, commenting that event is now connected to this event. Mm-hmm. And then looking forward to that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Points not just to the future of the coming death and resurrection of Jesus, but all the way into eternity future for all of us who now belong to him. So it's just this inbreaking of this commentary on, on the life of the Bible and the, into the story, we get to like, Oh wow, this is all the threads are coming together right here, right now, even in this, you know, righteous justified mm-hmm. yet flawed man yeah. who's, who's commenting through the prophets or through the power of the spirit on these great, great promises that are taking place. So it just, it's hel- you have to read these things in context, otherwise you, you you wouldn't really know what's happening. But the context is not just Zechariah. The context of this passage is all of Scripture. Yeah, um, which is helpful as we think through, like, okay, this is what are these texts doing? How do they function? What what answers are is this text giving to which questions? Yeah. Um, so that's how we should read our Bibles. I'm trying to think the, which Christmas hymn it is. I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but the, the line is going through my mind. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in the tonight. Town of Bethlehem. There it is. Thank you. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, you know, that that's referring to when Jesus is born, they're, they're just generations and generations mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. hopes and fears 
that are all through all coming together right here yeah. in this moment. And that's, that's what Zechariah is pointing to. Yeah. yeah th- you know, two other things about Zechariah that stand out, out to me, Matt, you mentioned barrenness of Elizabeth. So knowing Zechariah and Elizabeth, when you just try to enter the story, this is just good practice when you're reading, especially narrative scripture to just try to put yourself in the shoes of characters there. What would life be like for them? What are they thinking and feeling? So like Greg pointed out, they, they their faith has been tested. They this has been heartache. Elizabeth actually uh, refers to the reproach that she has mm-hmm. felt because of her barrenness. So these are people who are familiar with suffering and disappointment and heartache and embarrassment, all of that. Um, but then Zechariah's lapse of faith, and and then restoration, uh, that he even though he didn't immediately believe the word from Gabriel. Uh, that does not interrupt God's intention to give a child to this couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, John the Baptist, who's going to you know, be a, a huge right. role in the story, um, God still means to work through them. And, and so then, as Greg pointed out, even Zechariah's lapse of faith in, on, in a way that only God can do serves in the end to glorify God because Zechariah can take no credit for any of this. Right. The hope and encouragement in that to us that while it's not an excuse for our unbelief to say like, well, look, it was okay. You know, Zechariah didn't believe. So it's okay if I sit here and wallow in my Mm -hmm. unbelief. It's not an excuse for unbelief, but it is an encouragement to us when we have lapses of faith that in the end, our faith is objectively placed in God's ability to work in us. Our faith is not like I have faith in my faith. Right. I, I, I'm trusting in the strength of my own faith. No, I'm, I'm not trusting in anything yeah. about my faith. I'm trusting in God himself. And it's, I've, I've often used the analogy of like a patient who goes in to see a, a surgeon. If they're worried about the surgery, as many people are prior to some serious surgery, um, it doesn't really matter how much worry a patient has or doesn't have. The outcome of the surgery depends completely on the surgeon and mm-hmm. not at all on the level of anxiety in the patient. So long as the patient shows up and cooperates, lays down on the operating table and just lets the surgeon do his work. And, and that's, that's the nature of faith. Mm-hmm. It's not like, well, you know, your amount of faith dictates. If I just trust much, harder, right. Everything will be fine. Right. Yeah. yeah no, it, God's the surgeon. Yeah. It, it's his skill. So long as you rely on him, all that skill will benefit you completely. Yeah, faith is based upon completed and revealed um, things. So completed acts and then revealed promises yes. too. Whereas sometimes I think we mix faith and hope yeah. together. Whereas hope might be for things either promised or not promised that we're looking forward to. Mm. But faith is based upon things that have already happened and you know we can stake our claim on. Yeah. Um, so what has God said? Yeah. Yep. And that, that was... Greg's second point when he talked about the ground of faith and in Zechariah's song, there are all of these words and phrases piled up to speak of Matt, like you were saying, going stretching back a long time. Um, but all these ways that Zechariah is referring to words from God, uh, God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. That's verse 70, uh, verse 72, mercy promised to our fathers. Uh, he speaks of a holy covenant and the oath that God swore to our father Abraham. So all of these ways, he's emphasizing God has spoken. There are lots of ways we can describe his speaking. He swore an oath. He made a covenant. He made promises. He spoke by prophets. Um, but all of it just 
highlights for us mm. the foundation for it all is what has God said. Mm. What he said, that that's what we latch on to by and, faith. And according to Hebrews 1, the fullness of how his, of his speech, the fullness of his speaking is in Jesus. Mm. And so, which is what this entire event is launching, is the birth, the coming, the, the, the coming birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And as Hebrews 1 says in, in many times in different ways in the past, God has spoken to us and spoken to our forefathers through the prophets and through different ways and means. But here now, he has revealed himself fully in these last days through his son, Jesus. And so yeah. that he is the ultimate fulfillment prom- or the promised one, mm-hmm. the one who acts and completes it. And then now we, just like Zechariah, just like Elizabeth, we, we long, for, we, we put our faith in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think you're right. You just think of how Zechariah and Elizabeth had for all these years, for all those years, Together, it's just so striking to me at the beginning of Luke's narrative that he uses these two women, uh, who both are barren in different ways and for different reasons. Right. Uh, you know, Mary not barren in the traditional sense, but she's she's a virgin, so she's not had. She's there is no, there's nothing happening there. But then Elizabeth, who suffered her whole life, she has no expectation of a child until she's till the betrothal becomes the marriage. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth has suffered her whole life with this. And then all of a sudden, out of both of these wombs come life in different ways and for different reasons. And out of this now ex nihilo, God brings forth these two men, one who will operate. And uh, um, Greg didn't read the rest of the of the of the song, but it is because it's mostly directed directly towards John now. But it's in that, and in also in the Book of Mark uh, that you see John the Baptist functions as a pro- as the prophet as. Mm-hmm. Isaiah as um, uh, as Elijah, the one who comes preparing the way of the Lord, the one heralding all these promises, and then right behind him comes his cousin Jesus, <laughs> just who is the fullness of that word. So God always functions with word and deed, yeah. and John brings the word, and then Christ is the deed, the one who speaks and is the spoken yeah. word, who then comes and accomplishes it. And it's just he launches in. Luke is just starting it all, and. It's helpful to, to me to remember that Luke is also book one of a two book series. Mm. <laughs> Acts is the second book, um, and so it's if we put those two together, we really see all that is about to start. Not yes. just the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, which is amazing, but also the birth of the church mm-hmm. and the stretching. Now mm. that were the things we're a part of, so there's a continuous thread between what Zechariah is experiencing right now and his trusting in the promises of God, declaring them to us today and like like every day but especially yesterday as we gather yes. as the church hearing that word and then essentially the same claim is do you believe it mm. is it true for you yeah that's good well, i think that leads into where we always want these discussions to go you know how does this word affect you how's the holy spirit leading you to respond and uh, apply uh the truth revealed here um i i, I know one of the effects i've kind of said this already it just it's this passage has been uh, very encouraging to me as a reminder of the nature of faith. Mm. It's not a matter of looking to the strength mm. of my own faith. It's a matter of looking outside of me to the certainty of God's word. God has said it. And that, that was Zechariah's problem in the first place was, Mark, like you said, it seems very natural to second guess, to, yeah. to doubt and question something like, you know, a, a word about 
having a child in one's old age. And yet the fact that it's delivered by an angel when Gabriel says, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not at all natural to disbelieve a word from God. Mm. That's, that's sin. That's unbelief. And so I think just the objectivity of that um, encourages me as I look away from self, look to God's word, no matter what ups and downs we have, lapses of faith and failure in, in our past, that God is up to something. Mm. Um, yeah, that just gives me a lot of hope this yeah. week. My faith is always strengthened when, as I'm reading through Scripture, I'm noticing patterns that I see book after book, chapter after chapter. And one of these would be, I'm sure we've talked about it before, but light breaking into darkness. Mm. And so always reminded of the song, um, Glory in the Darkest Place. Our friend Brittany yeah. uh, down in the Louisville church wrote, um, which just speaks about how God breaks into dark places um, you know, Elizabeth was probably in a pretty dark place in her barrenness and yet God breaks in and gives them a child, mm. um, gives them, uh, a reason to strengthen, you know, have their faith strengthened. And so, um, when I read passages like this, uh, my faith is always strengthened remembering mm. that's a pattern that God always acts in. Yeah. Um, so even when my faith is weak or frail or, um, doubts start creeping in. I think remembering those patterns of um, how we see God act uh, and speak throughout scripture, it's always helpful. Yeah. I think we can all relate to like that feeling of darkness, that feeling of uh, pressing in on all sides, not darkness in the like moral sense, but just darkness of like not being able to see what's next. This, your, your life circumstances being so immediate that there's just this blinding effect. Uh, and, you know, just call that darkness. Um, this was so powerful about the Christmas story is that like in the midst of our darkness, uh, the people walking in that darkness have seen a great light uh, that God in the midst of the, that blackness has spoken. Uh, and that's powerful. I mean, that, that really helps me that to remind myself of God's word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path that in the midst of chaos of my own circumstances, whether it's financial or emotional or physical or whatever it is, health or whatever it might be, decisions about the future, relational strife, all this stuff. We're all looking for a handhold. We're all looking for something to grab onto that isn't moving around because my heart is moving around. Mm -hmm. My emotions are moving around. My circumstances are moving around. It just feels like chaotic. Mm -hmm. Um, We all need that ballast, that that rock that's just going to keep solid no matter what. And God's word has promised to be that for us. Do we believe it is the question. Or mm-hmm. Are we willing to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my mind on this despite what I'm tempted to think about. I'm just going to consciously think on the promises of God. Mm-hmm. Consciously think on what he has done, this horn of salvation he's raised for me, this, that he has both conquered and canceled my sin. Uh, and because of that, remember this language from many years ago that we used, we used to use often of like, I, I need not fear. I mm. need not be afraid. I need not doubt and all these other things mm. because of who God is and what he has done. Uh, that just, that's a process that just takes time to cultivate within yep. yourself of preaching the gospel to yourself, diagnosing, being, being able to know your own soul well enough. We talk about this in community all the time, knowing each other's stories well enough to know where to apply the gospel. Well, that starts first with our own souls, 
knowing my own temptations and my own soul well enough to know where I need the gospel mm. most. And then the beauty of community is that once you know that, then you can tell others like, Ryan, this is where I, here's my story. This is where I know I am. I need you mm. to point me here to this book when, when all seems lost. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that's just, that's what we mean by like a functional gospel, the, the, the functional centrality of the gospel, that it actually gets stuff done in our lives mm. as it did in, in Zachariah's life. Yeah. That's excellent. Ryan, you want to read that quote one more time that we were talking about before this? Yeah. Great use in his sermon from that unknown source. <laughs> that yeah, unknown. Let me find it here. For the mind of faith, a promised act of God is as good as done. Yeah. That's a helpful way to think about faith. God's words, the nature of promises is God's promising you know, their faith is future oriented. Mm-hmm. God is promising that he's going to do certain things. Faith takes that and believes it, it's as good as done. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no doubt or question that it will happen as God said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. Thank you guys. Mm-hmm.